Welcome to the sermon podcast of Resurrection Community Church in Virginia Beach. We seek to connect people to God and one another through His Word, and hope this sermon brings you closer to God. God's Word from Genesis chapter 9, verse 18, through chapter 10, verse 32. And this is, um, you might say this is an interesting, an interesting Bible text for the, the Sunday before Christmas. You might... You might be expecting, you know, shepherds and angels and those kinds of things, all of which are, are well and good and important. Uh, but here we've been going, we've just been sticking with Genesis. Uh, because in Genesis, we see God's promises. And promise is the great theme of Advent, the great theme of Christmas, leading up to Christmas, that God keeps his promises. And so we've seen that in the book of Genesis. We saw the need for the promise in Genesis chapter 6, when all of mankind had become corrupt and God realized he needed to send a flood to destroy the earth to maintain his justice and to cleanse the earth of all the evil in it. We saw the promise kept in Genesis chapter 7 as God remembered Noah, or sorry, in Genesis chapter 8, as God remembered Noah and his family and preserved them through the flood. We saw the promise guaranteed last week in the beginning of chapter 9 as God made his covenant with Noah and with his descendants and with the animals and their descendants and the earth forever. He promised he would, never guarantee, he would never destroy the earth again with the flood. He gave the sign of the rainbow uh, to mark that promise. Whenever it rains, there would be no more floods over the earth. And so here, we just keep going. And the end of Genesis chapter 9 and into chapter 10, what we see is that the promise is expanded. But you might not see that when I first read it. So just trust me as I read this. It really is the promise expanded. We'll see that the promise was guaranteed last week. And, and all, right from the start, things look like they're going off the rails. But I want you to listen to this and listen for the faithfulness of God, for the expansion of his promise, even as, hum, as humankind goes off the rails right from the renewed start. And I also want you to listen and to think about the fact that we're, we're gonna, I'm going to read a whole bunch of names here in a minute, but that the original readers and listeners of Genesis were the people of Israel who had been rescued from Egypt and had enemies all about them and were going to take over a new land. Specifically, the land of Canaan, where there were a whole bunch of, bunch of people living whose name ended with Ait. So when you hear a bunch of Ites in this list of names, it may not mean much to us, but know that it meant a whole lot to them. So listen for those two things. Where is God's faithfulness in this? And what would this have sounded like to the Israelites. So with that introduction, I'm going to read now from Genesis chapter 9, starting at verse 18. The sons of Noah who went forth from the ark were Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham was the father of Canaan. These three were, were the sons of Noah, and from these the people of the whole earth were dispersed. Noah began to be a man of the soil, and he planted a vineyard. He drank of the wine and became drunk and lay uncovered in his tent. And Ham, the father of Canaan, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brothers outside. Then Shem and Japheth took a garment, laid it on both their shoulders, and walked backward and covered the nakedness of their father. Their faces were turned backward, and they did not see their father's nakedness. When Noah woke from his wine and knew what his youngest son had done to him, he said, Cursed be Canaan, a servant of servants shall he be to his brothers. He also said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Shem. And let Canaan be his servant. May God enlarge Japheth and let him dwell in the tents of Shem. And let Canaan be his servant. After the flood, Noah lived 350 years. 
all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died. These are the generations of the sons of Noah, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Sons were born to them after the flood. The sons of Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai, Javan, Tubal, Meshach, and Tiras. The sons of Gomer, Ashkenaz, Riphath, and Togarmah. The sons of Javan, Elisha, Tarshish, Kittim, and Dodanim. From these the coastland peoples spread in their lands, each with his own language, by their clans, in their nations. The sons of Ham, Cush, Egypt, Put, and Canaan. The sons of Cush, Seba, Havilah, Sapta, Rama, and Saptaka. The sons of Rama, Sheba, and Dedan. Cush fathered Nimrod. He was the first on earth to be a mighty man. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore it is said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his kingdom was Babel, Erech, Akkad, and Kalna in the land of Shinar. From that land he went into Assyria and built Nineveh, Rehobothir, Kala, and Resin between Nineveh and Kala. That is the great city. Egypt fathered Ludim, Ananim, Lehabim, Nephtabim, Pathrushim, Kaslihim, from whom the Philistines came, and Kaphtarim. Canaan fathered Sidon, his firstborn, and Heth, and the Jebusites, the Amorites, the Girgashites, the Hivites, the Archites, the Sinites, the Arvidites, the Zemorites, and the Hamorthites. Afterward, the clans of the Canaanites dispersed, and the territory of the Canaanites extended from Sidon in the direction of Gerar, as far as Geza, and in the direction of Sodom, Gomorrah, Adma, and Zeboim, as far as Lasha. These are the sons of Ham, by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. To Shem also, the father of all the children of Eber, the elder brother of Japheth, children were born. The sons of Shem, Elam, Asher, Arkphasad, Lud, and Aram. The sons of Aram, Uz, Hul, Gether, and Mash. Arkphasad fathered Shelah, and Shelah fathered Eber. To Eber were born two sons. The name of the one was Peleg, for in his days the earth was divided, and his brother's name was Joktan. Joktan fathered Almadad, Shelef, Hazarmathapath, Jera, Hadaram, Uzal, Dikla, Obal, Abimal, Shepha, Ophir, Havilah, and Jobab. All these were the sons of Joktan. The territory in which they lived extended from Mesha in the direction of Sephar, in the direction of Sephar to the hill country of the east. These are the sons of Shem by their clans, their languages, their lands, and their nations. These are the clans of the sons of Noah according to their genealogies in their nations. And from these the nations spread abroad on the earth after the flood. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your word even when it's hard to understand sometimes. We pray now that as we reflect on your word together, you would speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit. That you would take this word and sink it deep into our hearts. That it would not merely be transformation for our, be information for our heads, but transformation for our lives. Changing the way that we think, the way that we feel, the way that we live. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I don't, I don't have my bag with me. I don't, have any, I don't have anything to show. But I have something for you to imagine. Because it is the season of Advent, and it's leading up to Christmas, and in the church, that's what we consider most important. Uh, but for some of us, we also find it important that it is football season, and football is in full swing. And if you go and you, uh, if you can find this video, it's, it's really pretty funny, but in a Thursday night football game in 2020, the New York Giants were playing the Philadelphia Eagles. And I know we have some Eagles fans. I don't think we have any Giants fans, and it's just as well, because this is... This is not so good for the Giants. But the Giants quarterback, Daniel Jones, he was back on his own 20-yard line. And he, gets, he, gets, he starts running. And every, the field just opens up. And he has this clear path. And he is sprinting down the field 
on his way to an 80-yard quarterback touchdown run. And there is like, you watch the video, there is nobody anywhere close. Like he's cruising. He's, everybody's celebrating. He's cruising. And about 10 yards from the end zone, you know what happens? He trips. Nobody anywhere close to him. He just, he just falls over. Like this quarterback just outran all the defenders, wide open, untouched, on the way for an 80-yard touchdown run. He wasn't even celebrating or anything. He just fell over. And he didn't make it. And, and, but you got to believe right here in Genesis chapter 9 and 10, they're off the ark. They've given thanks to God. They've got the promise of the covenant. They're going to repopulate the earth. Be fruitful and multiply. God said it several times in chapter 9. New start this time. Righteous Noah and his sons. Perfect righteous Noah. The only one who was blameless in his generation. And what does he do? Well, instead of fully populating the earth, the first thing he does is plants a vineyard. All right, that's not bad. You're growing things. And then he gets drunk. And then he ends, and it just, it just goes down, right? It's as he just, he just falls flat on his face right from the start. Noah gets drunk. His son Ham comes into the tent and, it, and goes out and tells his brother. He mocks him. He says, look what our father has done. I mean, we don't know exactly what he said, but that's kind of the implication at least. When he went out and told his brothers, he was mocking his father. And, and here we have the new family of humanity. And right from the start, they fall flat on their face. So where, where is the hope for us in this? If the new family has fallen flat on their face, the hope is in what happens. Because what was the promise that we saw in Genesis chapter 9, earlier in chapter 9? The promise that God gave was basically him saying, I know that man is evil all the time. And I know that this flood, this flood of justice over the earth, has not changed the heart of man that was corrupted by sin. The heart of man that is still going to take the good things of God and take them too far. The heart of man that is still going to mock people when they're down and when they mess up. Is going to point out their shame to the world. I know that hasn't changed. And God said, I will not destroy the earth again for that. The grace of God in Genesis chapter 9 and 10 is that God does not destroy the earth. The grace of God is that he sees the fallen humanity again and he still fills the earth with his people despite all their imperfections. So what do we hear when I'm reading this list of names? It sounds like, it, it sounds like just a list of names, I'll grant you that. Um, and it can sound like a mouthful. But what I want you to hear, I'm not going to read it again. But, but, but think through the reading again and hear instead of just a list of names saying, what are these? Imagine all the people going out and spreading the earth with the glory of God. But do they do it perfectly? No, they don't. If you, if you know your Bible real well, you might have recognized some of these names. Some of these people filling the earth here with no, with no judgment stated here in Genesis chapter 10. A lot of them are the Canaanites. And all those otherites, those are evil, wicked people. By the time the listeners are hearing this, as they're getting ready to conquer that land, they know those people are wicked. They fought some of those people. They were oppressed by some of those people. And yet these are the people filling the earth. Even here in the text, Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. That, that sounds nice. But, but in Genesis, to be a mighty man, that's, that's not actually a good thing. Back in Genesis chapter 6, there were mighty men on the earth. And that's what brought the flood on, was the mighty men who were opposed to God. 
Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. Most people think that Nimrod was not actually serving the Lord in his hunting. He was perhaps a mighty hunter opposed to the Lord, before the Lord in rebellion against him. In the land of Shinar, where he started his kingdom, we're going to see that in Genesis chapter 11. That's where they built the Tower of Babel. It was not a good thing. The cities that he established, Nineveh and Babylon, would turn out to be wicked cities opposed to God. And yet, in the face of all this, God filled the earth with people. Because the overwhelming message here is that God will be glorified. God will be exalted. God will fill the earth despite humanity's shame. And the good news for us this morning, the main thing about God here, even though we mess up, even though we fall down as we're running free and we fall flat on our face, is that God covers our shame. Did you notice that? There is no condemnation of Noah. Noah went too far. Noah drank too much and lay naked in his tent in a position of shame. And yet his sons, Shem and Japheth, came in and covered him up. And, and then when he wakes up, he says, blessed be the Lord. So Noah calls out blessing to God, blessing to Yahweh himself, the personal God who had saved him through the flood, because the Lord, the God of Shem, he is the one that covered Noah's shame. And so Noah can continue and his children can populate the earth. So what do we do as we see that God himself covers our shame? We rejoice in his covering. That's our call this, this Christmas season, this Advent season. Whatever guilt and shame you are feeling from what you have done wrong, from what you have failed to do this year, this morning God wants to cover your shame. And he wants you to rejoice in the freedom that that brings. So we can see quickly here three things, three quick things of what this shame means, of what it means to rejoice in his covering. Not what the shame means, what the rejoicing means, what it looks like to rejoice in God's covering. The first is to extend that grace to others in their shame. The second is to trust God in his plans, to trust God to work things out. And the third is to embrace God's covering. And I, I do apologize, they do not rhyme, they do not start with the same letter. There is, there is nothing good about them except that they come from the text. And so that's worth something. So extend, we extend grace to others, we trust God with his plans, and we embrace God's covering. So first we see, you know, if you were just reading this as a, as a morality play, as what should we do, it would be, don't be like Ham, do be like Shem and Japheth, right? Which is not really the main point of the text, but it's not wrong either, right? If we're going to see characters here, we don't want to be like Ham. Ham saw somebody in a position of shame, and he mocked them. And it was his own father. His own father. The call to honor our fathers and mothers is a strong call. And yet Ham went and mocked his father in his shame. But Shem and Japheth, they took great pains. They walked the text. Is, it gives us extra detail to say they walked in backwards, that they would do no mocking of their father. They would not even look at him in his state of having gone too far, but they covered up his shame. They covered him up with grace. And so that is our call for one another. What do we do when we see someone fall? It is so easy 
to look at people, especially, it's particularly easy with people who are famous and well-known, uh, to look at them and say, man, to make fun of them when they fall, to talk about them, to gossip about them. And the thing that's hard, you know, it's one thing when people who are famous and celebrities make mistakes and they fall and they do things that are wrong, you know, it feels kind of far off and distant. But, but we do the same thing to people around us. This is why gossip is a sin that comes up over and over in the New Testament letters to the churches to avoid gossip because it is so destructive. Because fundamentally, gossip is not the caring for one another, but gossip is the spreading of other people's shame. And we are, that is not what we are to do. We are to be the opposite of that. We are not to be those who talk about others and make fun of others and exalt ourselves at the expense of others. But instead, we're those who see others in their sin. We don't deny their sin. We don't deny that something wrong has been done, but we extend grace. We maintain fellowship. We offer forgiveness. We offer love. love. We highlight the positives. We have sympathy for how people have fallen. We recognize ourselves in the fall and know how quickly there too we could go. So we extend grace to others in their shame. We continue to show love and care. The second thing we do is we trust God with his plan. You know, these people, as they spread out through the earth, I already highlighted a couple of the examples. Nimrod, um, Canaanites, all these people who were not necessarily, not doing the right thing. And yet God used them. And so, you know, we can imagine what, what were these people thinking as they went throughout the earth? I'm sure they went throughout the earth with a whole variety of motivations. We would like to believe that at least the sons of Shem, the line of God's people that will continue uh, through Abraham, that they, they were good and godly people who were trying to faithfully reflect the image of God across the earth. But I doubt it. We see from all the detailed stories later on about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, they were no perfect people by any stretch. And so... And certainly, as we saw about Nimrod and Canaan and all of them, they were probably out for their own good. And all of us know as we go out in this world, we go with mixed motivations. Sometimes we do want to do the right thing. Sometimes we're trying to serve others. Sometimes we're trying to bring glory to God. But sometimes we do the wrong thing. Sometimes we're doing it for selfish reasons. Sometimes we're just trying to get what's best for us. And of course, we shouldn't do that. We should do what is right for the right reasons. But the encouragement for us is that God will use everything for his purposes. And so what that means in practical terms for us is while we should seek the right motivations, we don't have to beat ourselves up over it. Each day we just do the best that we can. We put things out there seeking to reflect God's glory and reflect his image the best that we can. And sometimes we may wonder about our motivations. We may wonder how pure our hearts are. We say, God, I just, just make me pure. Make my motivations more pure, but, but just take this and use this in your way. We don't always understand how it all works out. But we go out seeking to fill the earth with the blessing of God. Here at Resurrection, we do, we do a lot of things to try to fill the earth, our local corner of the earth, with the blessing of God. Yesterday, we had, as Alejandra said, we had cookies here. Lots of cookies. And we had crafts back there. And we had pizza here. And we had it out here for the community. And not, not a whole lot of people came, but those that did came and enjoyed it. 
And this summer we're going to run a camp for a whole lot of people. And, you know, sometimes we do these things in the spring. We'll do Easter egg hunts in different neighborhoods for anybody who wants to come to spread joy, to bring connection, to share the message of the good news with anybody who will hear. We don't always know how these things work. We don't know what that will do for people. We don't know what people will come to one of these things and make a connection that means something to them later on. We don't know what people uh, will, what it will mean for people. But we trust that God will work out his plan and God will make it work. So we just go and do. And we, let God, we trust God with the details. The third and last thing is that we have to embrace God's covering for ourselves. What does it really mean to rejoice in God's covering? If we start with be like Shem and don't be like Ham, if we start with go and do and do and do, we're going to end up like Noah, falling on our face, falling in shame, unless we first embrace God's covering for ourselves and say that ultimately we, we can't be the righteous one. And the hero here is not Shem. Noah didn't even say that. He said, blessed be the Lord. The hero here is always the Lord. The hero is God, the one who covers us. And just as we see here for the original Israelites, they saw the hints, the emphasis on Canaan, the son of Ham, because the land of Canaan was the one where they were going. That was the one that mattered to them. We also see hints of other things. Do you catch who Shem was associated with? To Shem also, the father of all the children of Eber, well, why Eber? Eber comes like four generations down from Shem. So why does his name get put up there with Shem? Because Eber is where Hebrews comes from. That's the name Hebrew. That's where the name of the Hebrews comes from, the people of Abraham, the family of Abraham. And so later on in Luke chapter 4, we'll find going back through the genealogy of Jesus, Eber, Peleg, Ru, Shem, Arphaxen. We will find these names. And in this we see the faithfulness of God all the way down to Jesus. That just as Shem and Japheth covered up the shame of their father Noah, they pointed forward to their great, their descendant Jesus, who would cover up the shame of all of his people. All those who have fallen and disobeyed time after time and are wrapped up in their own shame. And Jesus comes with a perfect covering to cover us not just with a blanket, but with his own life. To say that my perfect life of righteousness, as we remember he came, we remember next Sunday his birth, to live the perfect life of righteousness that he would then give to each one of us as a covering as we put our faith in him. And then we can go and extend that grace to others. Then we can go out and fill God's wor world with his work, reflecting his image wherever we go. So we embrace the covering of Jesus for our shame. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that you love us, that you care for us. We thank you that you cover our shame. We pray that you would show us more and more what that means. To trust in your plan, to extend that grace to others. But most of all, to rejoice in the covering that you have given us in your son Jesus. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going to have a time of reflection. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from Resurrection Community Church. To learn more about our church and how you can connect with God and others, please visit resurrectionvb.org.